Welcome to episode 14 of the Me and Mariah podcast. If this is your first time joining us, thank you. And if you've been here before, you can feel free to leave us a nice rating and review after the episode's over. (laughs) Well, I'm Taylor, and I am here with the lesbian Reba in my faggy little rascals race, Blake. (gasps) I did not expect that. Yeah, I don't know. Hi, (laughs) Reba here. (laughs) Well, on today's episode, we're going to talk about the way Nick Cannon turned up to the VMAs this weekend. Oh. Yikes. I actually didn't see that somehow. Well, the secondhand embarrassment that I feel every time he does anything. (laughs) Poor guy. He looked stupid. I did not see this. Oh my gosh. And let's not talk about Madonna's ass. I think we should talk about Madonna's ass. I'm pretty sure she's had that (laughs) ass for a couple of years. And it looks like she recently got the titties to match. I was shocked. when, When she turned around, my fiance and I, (laughs) we just like got silent and I don't know if we were mortified, mesmerized. (laughs) Like what a back door. Yeah. Definitely stole the show. That's for sure. There was a rumor that Mariah was supposed to perform Hero at the end of the night, but obviously that didn't happen. So I don't know who came up with that or how it got taken so seriously. I was wondering if she was going to have any appearance too. She doesn't even have a moon man, I don't think. That's crazy. I know. That is so wild to me. Yeah. She should at least have one for Heartbreaker. That video was amazing. I thought of you for it because when it started with Madonna and they were talking about like all the years of her her career, I now know I'm like, Mariah has had probably almost the same amount of hits. So I was like, why isn't she present like this? I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's move on to probably the greatest cinematic soundtrack in this century. Today's episode is about the 2001 soundtrack to the blockbuster flop, glitter. We're going to dive a little bit into the delayed release, the public perception and eventual resurgence, and of course our own commentary on each track of this beautiful work of pop art. But real quick before we get into that, I just want to go back to last week's episode, The Art of Letting Go. And I've talked to a couple of people who listened and they came at it from a whole different angle that I seriously didn't even think of. Like what? Pat. Motherfucking Pat Carey. Mariah's mom. She wasn't living under Pat's dominion. That's who she was talking about. Do you think? It makes sense. And she did use that quote in her book in the section about her mom. Oh. So it's like, oh, that makes sense. That that's who she wrote it about. But the timing. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Only Mariah knows. But I am still not sorry for what I said about Nick. All of that still stands. Yeah. You have the opinion regardless. I don't have very strong opinions about him in general. Yeah, he doesn't seem... Yeah, no. Like, don't you have kids to watch? What are you doing looking like that? Looking a fool. (laughs) So let's talk about Glitter. That's why we're here. Yes, let's. It was the biggest deal in music history. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mariah was done with Sony and free from Tommy's control for good, and now she was a really rich bitch. (laughs) Mama's contract with Virgin was worth almost $100 million. Seriously? Yeah, and no one else had ever been paid that much. Back then especially, that's... A lot more. So she'd get that hundred million for five albums, which I mean, the way she was spitting them out, she would have had that cash in no time. Yeah. Well, for now, the pressure was really on. She had originally committed to only do six songs for the soundtrack of her first feature film, but she ended up doing the full 11 songs and then a remix. Overachiever. Right. So <laughs> she had started writing the songs before they had even greenlit the movie. Heartbreaker was originally written for the movie, too. That's why it's written over the Attack of the Name game sample from, like, 1982. But one of the first times that the movie was pushed back, Mariah decided not to sit on the song, and she put together Rainbow with all the shit that she had been working on. 
Oh. Yeah, and just to kind of fulfill her contractual obligations with Sony to okay. like get out of there. So even with all her hits at Sony, she really had something to prove because she's, you know, a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And there was the pressure from herself to be the best. And then there's pressure because she's with a new company, new bosses to deliver the same quality that she was given the mafia over at Sony. <laughs> right. And she literally exhausted herself. So originally the album was coming out on August 21st, but Mariah needed to get some rest medically. Mm. I've grown accustomed to sleep deprivation and therefore you know, this matters because this could be like in my own state, in my own world, I'm in August eternally. <laughs> so after her ice cream cart fiasco at TRL, which I never understood how the media was able to make such a story out of that. It was literally nothing. Oh yeah, you had me watch that. I just thought she looked fun. Like she just looked like she was having fun and it was young and being silly. I remember watching it and not thinking anything of it. Like, okay, she brought everybody a popsicle. Yeah. And then she gave Carson Daly a t-shirt. She didn't strip. She was fully clothed underneath. This is typical Mariah banter. I remember one time she called TRL and sang Heartbreaker to Carson Daly from inside her shower. Oh. Like just, you know, weird. Okay, but she did say this one was therapy that's a little weird she was like this is like a therapy session no it's not girl even that i don't even maybe i'm just used to manic behavior i don't know well and then there was that weird appearance outside of some mall i think it was in new jersey and she had her hello kitty boom box and then you know cindy Berger, her publicist at the time yanks the mic out of her hand when she was telling a reporter that it was her day off and she was there and then she was just trying to give the haters some positivity cindy chill (laughs) she went on bet to promote one of the songs after she got out of the hospital for the first time she looked a little sleepy a little greasy haired but we've all been there and when they asked her how she was she kind of took that and went on a tangent about how she's been taking care of everyone around her since she got out of high school and now it was time to take care of herself oh yeah she needed a break for sure. No lies were told there. Yeah. She <laughs> she was supposed to do a more in-depth interview with Barbara Walters about her whole hospital stay, but she had to go back. So the interview was canceled. Like you might come here trying to stab me. <laughs> and then I would just take the knife and draw a picture on it. <laughs> okay. This was all happening late August. So the CD was coming out on the 21st of August, the movie August 31st. Okay. So it ended up coming out September 11th. And Mariah kind of uses this as a crutch for why it only reached number seven on the Billboard charts, which is her lowest placing album ever. And I've also heard her blame it on the fact that it's a soundtrack and not one of her, like, it's not a Mariah Carey album, but it is. Like, let's call it what it is. I could see, I mean, those factors do make sense, but I wonder, like, what were the other six that ended up higher than her album? Well, Jay-Z's Blueprint came out the same day. It's the one with that H to the Izzo song on it. Oh. And that did that did just fine. Yeah. And we've all seen that video by now of the interview of the girl Sarah. I think I sent it to you. Yes. Or maybe you sent it to me. No, you sent it to me. She was late for work because she stopped to get a copy of Glitter on her way in. Yes. And her office was on the 105th floor of the South Tower. That was crazy. Oh, yeah, and my my reply was like, see, Mariah does save lives, or this is why Mariah is my religion, because she saved someone that day. She really did. This soundtrack saved a life. Yeah. Even just one, that's something. That is, yeah, that's impressive. I honestly don't know what it is that made Glitter a less-than-stellar performer. Like, I really don't. Well, 
the CD, not the movie. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> but for the album, she really gave what she said she was giving. The material is there. It just wasn't written in the stars for our girl at that time, I guess. I think the movie was just so shit on that some of the shadoodle might have splattered onto the CD. And then it took a long time to wipe it off. As someone that doesn't know a lot about Mariah or like knew nothing about Mariah before, I did see this as a soundtrack, not a real CD. So I wonder if it didn't have as much opportunity because of that. But I'm also wondering like what were the standout songs? Like which ones were like the singles? Okay, well, Lover Boy, uh-huh. Never Too Far, and Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did those do like separately? Did those do well other than like the album as a whole? Lover Boy got to number two. Okay. See, that's pretty good. In terms of soundtracks, it was like the fifth most successful soundtrack that year, and Loverboy was the number one selling single of the year, and you can check it with Billboard. But in 2018, before Caution came, the Lambs rallied together and got Glitter to number one on the iTunes chart. It just took the hashtag Justice for Glitter and buying it for $5 on iTunes. <laughs> I honestly think hashtag campaigns are cheesy and cringy, but I'll do anything for Mimi. It worked. Did you do a post about it with the hashtag? I'm sure I did. I can't remember, but I bought it, oh. even though I have like three copies of it. <laughs> do you? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I feel like this is where all the seeds that she had been planting for like the past five years really started to grow. Like her resurgence took a little while to cook, but this was like step one. Mm-hmm. Like vindication here we come and she totally changed her attitude towards it at this point she used to call glitter the g word and pretty much pretended like it didn't exist the oh so let's not say the name of the album slash soundtrack she wanted everyone to forget it happened until we on the internet forced her to acknowledge it basically she likes it and she always did she just had to hide it she's embarrassed because it almost ruined my life. But the truth is, it's like for the nostalgia now, because it's actually a really good album. I can say it now that they got it to number one. I can say it. Now, in 2001, Slant Magazine said that Glitter's biggest flaw is in its effort to be everything for everyone and that it was hard for her to find a balance between hip hop and pop. It's for the most part a successful period piece that displays Carrie's appreciation for all that came before her. And that is what it is. So I think that's a good review. That I think is that's a good positive. Review. Yeah. I agree. And now Rolling Stone said, this one's crazy. This makes me feel a certain way. Okay. They said, Whitney had her I Will Always Love You and Celine had her My Heart Will Go On. But Mariah still hasn't found her theme song. The one people will remember her voice by. Glitter is good enough to make you hope she finds it. And then the article ended with the line, it's nowhere near unthinkable that Mariah, for all her success, is just now starting to get her music together. Wouldn't that be something? And that is crazy hmm. for me to think about. Because back then, I mean, number one, I'm a lamb. Number two, I was a kid, so my world is really small. And I thought Hero was that song for her. I didn't realize, I mean, I know that it's her biggest song now, like I live in the real world, don't get me wrong, but I didn't realize that We Belong Together is her My Heart Will Go On. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, you're That's the Mariah Carey song. Like, I think the kids might just chalk her up to the Christmas song, and I really hope not, but I mean, a legacy is a legacy no matter what. But We Belong Together is that song for Mariah, and at this point, it hadn't happened yet. That's so interesting to think about. Well, let's not ponder on that too hard. We've got a soundtrack to listen to. Let's go. Lover boy. We all know the story with this song, and it originally was a different song. 
until some little, short, little, insecure little man stole it and gave it to somebody who can't even sing. When Mariah came out on TRL for her surprise, not a surprise, stripping with her clothes on appearance, yeah, it was literally right after they played I'm Real, the song that stole the original sample. She interrupted Carson saying, and that was J-Lo and Ja Rule <laughs> with the chorus of Loverboy. Pretty good chemistry going on in that video. Got Ja Rule. You got J-Lo, and that was uh, I'm Real, the remix. Boy, was with... come on and love me. How's that? Give me more. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> Mariah Carey. They seriously did that? I fucking hope she did that on purpose. Did they know? I don't know. But honestly, I love the song just as it is. The cameo sample she used instead of Firecracker was perfect, and they feature on it. Strawberry, raspberry, all those good things. That's my cameo impression. <laughs> what they're talking about in the beginning of the song has absolutely no connection to the song. The whole K-I-S-S-I-N-G part. Yeah. She was just clowning on her friend Teresa that she calls Riri. Really? Yeah, she started dating somebody named Kenny. <laughs> that was literally it. We have a lot of inside jokes, you see, because things can tend to be boring. <laughs> she did a remix for the song, which this really was more like an extended rap version rather than a remix, because a Mariah Carey remix means we're getting resung vocals, we're getting a different sample, maybe speed it up a little, like we just did some ketamine in the back of a cab at 1.30 in the morning on the way to some stranger's house because he said he had a copy of Bring It On on VHS. Oh, is that a personal story? Maybe. But this is just Loverboy 2.0 with Ludacris, Debrat, Shauna, and 22. Don't ask me who Shauna and 22 are. I don't know either. Couldn't tell you. But the remix is the first song on the album, and then the version that just has cameo is the last song. So it's like a full circle moment. I thought that was interesting to place it like that. Right? Yeah. It's cute. She did that with Charm Bracelet too with Through the Rain. Oh, it's mm -hmm. one of her things. The music video for this is amazing. It's cute. David LaChapelle. It's oh. like a drag race or a car show. Whatever it is, you win a trophy. Mariah pops up out of a cake. Her body... Wow. Yeah, she looks so good in her little outfits. This whole era is the most blonde Mariah that we've ever had. There's a shot of her in these little pink shorts, and it's shot from below, and she kicks at the camera, and I melt into the carpet for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ass. It's the booty. And it's not like Madonna's. <laughs> yeah, another full circle moment. You know what? Bootylicious is actually the reason that Loverboy was not number one. It was number two. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it, Bootylicious was the number one spot. On billboard wow it got to number two because they started selling it for 50 cents i have it i remember bringing it over to the teenage boys house across the street they had a half pipe in their backyard so i would sit on it and watch them skate <laughs> while listening to they let me Loverboy? yeah they let me put it in their boom box and they just stared at the cover photo of her laying on the car <laughs> i remember one of them later asking me about it if i still had it and he described it as the one where she's laying in the pool he thought the car was a pool floaty oh stupid <laughs> i just recognized from this the little ooh from me and mariah our, our intro yeah i didn't realize that's what we were taking it from <laughs> yeah. honestly The 
Lead the Way was the first song that she had. This one she did with Walter before their split, which was during the recording of Butterfly. So we know that this song was at least three or four years old. She said that this was a vision of love kind of song, and I'm not really hearing that. I hear Art of Letting Go as more of a vision of love kind of song than Lead the Way. But she is really given some voice. She even has said that this is one of her best vocal performances ever. Really? And before the album came out, she said that although this was a concept album, the ballads would be able to stand alone as Mariah Carey songs. And I think Lead the Way is a perfect example of that. I think she did accomplish that with most of the songs. Actually, she's more right about the ballads standing alone than some of the dance songs because the lyrics were a little bit more complex in the ballads. And this song is used in the movie when her character Billy and the love interest are finally gonna get to it after their nice romantic is this a date date Mm -hmm. that long note at the end makes me wonder if she can hold her breath for like two minutes underwater because i cannot imagine holding a note that long she is a mermaid yeah wow Now here we have the snake striking again. Tommy could be the leader of the Lollipop Guild at this point, for all we fucking care. Small, tiny, little man. Don't ask what he's got going on downstairs. If you listened to last week, then you know what I'm talking about. But I'm not going there with him, and neither should you. So he steals the firecracker sample from Loverboy, and now he needs a remix to that song. So of course he goes back to the drawing board, and by a drawing board I mean he goes into whatever Mariah's working on, snooping in her business. Mm-hmm. She's got Jaw Rule and Nate Dog on If We. And what do you know? Jaw Rule on the I'm Real remix. Going back and forth with the one whomst has no voice. <laughs> Interesting choices that man makes. Fire festival ringing any bells? That is interesting. Wow, he's relentless. This song doesn't even go with the rest of the soundtrack, to be honest. It's not in the movie at all, if I'm recalling correctly. It's not really 80s. It's definitely more of like a 90s vibe for me. Yeah. And I don't think Mariah sings a verse on it at all. She just does the chorus over and over and like some of her signature like oohs, ahs, and he's and wees. Yeah, I noticed she wasn't singing as much too. It was mostly like she didn't even open the song and... It was more like a love slash heartbreak song. And I I asked you, I was like, which one are they all on the movie or not? Um, I'm curious why this one didn't make it. Just like didn't need to. I I don't even know why it's on there, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't mean to turn you on. The first of two covers. It's definitely one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack. I like it better than the original. She worked with the producers who did the original, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, so they didn't change anything except Mariah's vocals instead of Sherelle. Robert Palmer did a cover of this too. Do you know who Robert Palmer is? No. Robbie Palms, as I Mm -hmm. call him. He likes to cover black artists and make it palatable for white men. Oh, really? I brought this soundtrack in the car on the way to school once and played the song, uh, and my stepdad told me that I would like the original version better. He thought Robert Palmer was the original (gasps) artist. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll never forget, I was walking down the hall to first period in 10th grade, and JJ, do you remember JJ? No. She was a hoot. She was from Louisiana or Georgia. She wasn't there long. Oh, I don't remember. She left because she got pregnant with twins. Oh, shit. Well, I was minding my own business with my headphones in, walking to first period with my iPod. That's why you don't remember her. You were never there for first period. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whatever. I was bumping this song. And as I walked by her, she snatched my headphones out and was like, what are you listening to? She pops them in her ears and was like, this is the glitter soundtrack. I love this. I had never in my life met somebody who knew the Glitter soundtrack. I hope she's doing okay. Oh, a little bonding moment. (laughs) Love that. And in the movie, this song is used as, like, Billy's first single. It's not, like, her first commercial single, but she, like, goes around the clubs and performs it. Yeah. To, like, get her foot in the door. I liked this one. This one made me want to dance, and it was very, like, mischievous to me. Like, it had a little, like, mischievous air to it. Like, you know what you're doing. Oops. Yeah. (laughs) So I actually, I didn't know it was a cover either, but it's good to know that she incorporated some of the original artists into her version. All right. This song is kind of two things. It's kind of a cover. So when I said there was two covers, I actually meant two and a half. And then it's also kind of, another song on the soundtrack where Mariah just sings the chorus. Mystical features. I hope you remember Mystical. Nope. Shake your ass and watch yourself. Okay, yeah. I remember that song. Good. But, okay, so it's a cover of the 1980 song Funkin' for Jamaica by Tom Brown. This song plays at every family barbecue for every family with any musical taste. (laughs) Mariah sings basically the same lyrics with her little spin on it, of course. The same lyrics as the original. And let's talk about the climax. It's the part of the song that Mariah actually sings in the movie when she's at the club and the DJ just finds out she can sing. We'll get more into that next week. It's ridiculous. (laughs) The video, though, for this song is really cute. They're very on the bayou. That's how you say that, right? Bayou, yeah. Like swamp ass? Yes. Oh, no, no, no. Not swamp ass. Well, (laughs) Have you ever been in New Orleans? No. Okay, we should go. I would love to. We went to a swamp, believe it or not. There were alligators around the swamp. I was like, you must be crazy if you think I'm going to sit here with these alligators. Well, we're not seeing double here, but we're seeing triple Mimi action in this. We caught up with these three gals a little later on on the cover of Memoirs, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, the only thing that stood out to me was I, I caught the watch yourself. <laughs> and I I thought it was just sampling. Didn't know that was his name either. Yeah. Here we have what I believe is a fragment of what the original concept for the album was. Like I said before, she was going to write six of the songs, and I think she wanted artists from the time of the movie setting, early 80s, to write the rest of the soundtrack, almost like a cover album, but songs that were just for the movie. I mean, I don't know what's ultimately going to end up on the soundtrack, but I had um, 
I had a little collaborative moment with Prince, um, with Rick James, um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, everybody that really made the early 80s. So All My Life was written by Rick James. She wanted to do something like All Night Long by the Mary Jane Girls, which Rick wrote. Mm. Now this song is nothing like that, but it's... I mean, the super freak still wrote it, and it's really cute and catchy. It's perfect for how it's used in the movie. Silk, who's like the arch rival, if you will, of Billy, steals her voice like she's a goddamn octopus with a magic shell necklace and claims it as her own with this song. And also, it's the DVD menu song, so you have no idea how many fucking times I have woken up in the middle of the night to this fucking song. I really liked this one. There was this super cute little laugh she does in the middle of it. That was adorable. I love that when and she laughs. Yeah. <laughs> and this is probably one of my top three songs from the soundtrack. Okay. I liked it. I asked people on Instagram and there was a couple people that said that they I liked, liked this it. one. Probably because I do like All Night Long too. So if it was... <laughs> Written by the same person. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Makes sense. Mariah didn't think that Reflections was commercial single material, but they did release it as the second single for the soundtrack in Japan. She wanted to call it Care Enough, but she said they kept calling it Reflections. I don't know who they are. Hmm. She wrote it as her character. She's Billy talking about her mother. She says, you could have had the decency to give me up before you gave me life. What a way to be pro-choice. <laughs> wow. I didn't. I did not know it was about her mother. Well, it's the character's well, mother. Well, her character's yes. mother. But you know what's interesting is of all the songs, I took away some of the lyrics from this and I could tell that it was emotionally charged from her own personal experience. Definitely. It's interesting. You told me that all these songs were written from her character's perspective, but I think it's impossible for Mariah not to write from her own emotional experience. Um, that's where she like gets her inspiration from. It's where she gets her context from. And this one, she says, I haven't come to terms with how to say goodbye. Did you even care? I need to believe in my heart of hearts that you cared for me. Why you left me there so helplessly. Like such a sad, lonely song. Very really lonely. Is. Abandonment. A lot of abandonment. So yeah, this one was one that I, I agreed could stand on its own apart from the soundtrack. <laughs> This is an in-deep cover, another barbecue song for me. She's got Fabulous and Busta Rhymes featuring. She said it was a way to meet the spirit of the 80s with the heart of today, today being 20 years ago. This video is very interesting. I remember really liking it in 2002, but watching it back now, I'm alarmed by a couple of things. I think it's just the way that social media and the internet stole a lot of the mystery and glamour to Hollywood. Like, it's clear that they're just in her Moroccan room at her house, no wardrobe budget, she's just in a bikini. I don't even think they had lighting. It's like flashlights. Yeah. And then she's got that fucking Hello Kitty boombox. I did like how it was shot in like a small frame. It's very like party confusion feel like <laughs> like you're getting glimpses of the night from your memory that's how my brain perceives it there was a performance she did of this on vh1 and she comes out on a motorcycle 
in a businesswoman suit. I loved this song. This one, I think this is the first one I listened to because I listened to them out of order, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But um, this is the first one I heard and I was like, I wanted to dance. It was really upbeat. It got my <laughs> mood feeling good. I just really liked it. And I actually totally forgot that this whole album and movie are supposed to be based in the 80s. But as soon as I heard this, I thought... I was like, oh wow, very right? 80s inspired. Funkified. Yeah. Want You is a duet with Eric Benet. Although he is a singer, I literally only know him as the sleazeball that cheated on Halle Berry and then went to rehab for sex addiction. Oh, wow. <laughs> Besides Glitter, obviously. Yeah. He's in the movie. He plays a musician that Billy wants to work with, and they end up with this song. It's funny because this song was like an add-on. They were kind of playing the movie by ear. We'll talk more about that next week. And just sort of winging it. So when Eric Benet signed on to be a character in the movie, they came up with this whole idea sort of on the spot that they needed a song for them to do together. It's another Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis song. Very SOS band. That was the goal, apparently, when she asked them to come up with something for this side storyline in the movie that had no reason to be there. I just thought this song was particularly synth heavy. Like it was very, very 80s dance. And I thought it was kind of cute. The I've got a crush on you little like line. It was, it was playful. It was a cute song. You're with me till the bitter end. What we had transcends. This experience too painful to Never Too Far was the second single from Glitter. She even re-recorded it and did a little mashup with Hero as a charity single for the first responders of 9-11. It came with an extra song, There For Me, which I believe was left over from Rainbow. No relation to Glitter or the movie at all, but I like it better than Never Too Far. The music video was just a scene in the movie where she performs it with her hair all swooshed over one shoulder the entire time. Never Too Far is sort of about, it's about loving someone and, 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 and losing them, but it's also like the person, if they're with you at one point, will never be gone. Not to so sound corny, but yeah. yeah. Thus, you know, it's, it can be applicable to her mom and also to her relationship. And so when I, when I sang it, I'd already gone through the whole process of the movie because I did just like a rough thing for the movie. And I don't know, it was just a little misty. I've heard this one before outside of the Glitter soundtrack. Really? It, probably from you. I don't know. Do, do you not like I don't this really song play, a lot? I don't really play oh. this. I thought some of the lyrics were fun in this one. She said, what we had transcends this experience. I've learned that no one can take your place. It felt like uh, a little bit more of a Mariah song than some of her other ones to me. It was, yeah. And it was really catchy in my opinion. They make it seem like her and the love interest in the movie, they make it seem like they wrote it together but separately if that makes sense oh okay. like they break up and he's sad sitting at a piano and she's sad with her notebook and then she like comes to his house to like leave tickets to her show that night and she sees that the song goes with the song she wrote oh <laughs> but do you think that she actually wrote this herself mostly she did, yeah totally it's kind of seemed like it she says that that kind of stuff can happen yeah i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> Say, twist and win. 
comparable to Petals or Looking In in the sense that it's like really personal, this song. It's about Tanya Twist, Mariah's stylist that committed suicide three months before filming on the movie began. Oh my god, really? Yeah, she first worked with Mariah in 1994, but was like her primary stylist, as in they traveled together and were basically working together consistently since 1997. That's so sad. She got Mariah out of those turtlenecks and trench coats and into those skank tops and slut skirts. And I say that in Lovingly. a in a positive, <laughs> uh, sex yeah. positive way. Yeah. She swallowed between 70 and 100 different tranquilizers, antidepressants, and pain pills with a bottle of Tylenol PM. Oh my god. And her family sort of indirectly blamed her dedication to Mariah for her suicide. Oh, that's gotta fuck up Mariah. Like, feeling close to her, because we now know, well, I now know, how close she feels with those that she trusts in her inner circle and then to be blamed well they said she devoted so much of her life to mariah that when she got home from a break after working for pretty much three years straight her life kind of moved on without her like the man that she was dating was like no longer available for her and that's mariah's fault that's a decision yeah and she i guess told a friend like before she did it that she just wasn't interested in life anymore because she didn't like how people treated each other Mm. Well, Mariah said that her depression was kept well hidden. She said she never saw any signs of torment and claims that she had an incredibly uplifting personality that must have been covering a lot of sadness. That is just so sad. I could tell this one was more emotional too. The only note I have for this one is like that she has a line that says, I'm feeling kind of fragile and I've got a lot to handle. And she just sounds so broken in this song. All of her lyrics sound like she's been tormented for sure. Well, I don't want to end it on a sad note. So I just want to say that Glitter as a whole was definitely ahead of its time. The whole bringing back the 80s thing definitely came through like eight years later probably sometimes it costs to be so innovative yeah i think it had a good mix of dance songs and ballads so it, like it had something for everyone i think that's actually a strength of the album i'm really excited to see how it fits in with the movie but i do think it could stand alone and it's kind of sad that it didn't get the recognition it deserved in the moment because it sounds like she gave a lot of thought to like the behind the scenes concept she the really collab did the collaborations alone are really cool um, and of course, her writing all her own music pretty much and then collaborating with some greats, it, it deserved more love than it got. This has been one of the best experiences I've had making a record, doing the soundtrack. Um, and I got a chance because, you know, to work with some of the people that I grew up really admiring. A couple upsides. I mean, she did make like $30 million from Virgin to cancel her contract because they were like, never mind. And I feel like this soundtrack is peak vocal Mariah. Like a lot of people think that she lost her voice, air quotes, during the mid 90s, like after Butterfly, but I don't see it. I personally think some of her best vocals are on Rainbow, Glitter, and Charm Bracelet. I mean, she served several full course meals with glitter <laughs> and i think it has longevity i think it's still relevant i've never stopped listening to this like not a year has gone by since 2001 that the glitter soundtrack has not been played by me at least a couple of times i never gave it too much thought just like most mariah albums <laughs> unfortunately but there's a few songs that i i now want to add to some of my playlists honestly right? so Wow, what a win. <laughs> well, I can't wait for you to see the movie. I can't believe you've never seen no, it. No, I have. You, we watched it together. I just don't remember anything about it. <laughs> I know, I that does surprise me. That makes more sense to me because I make everyone watch that movie. So I can't believe yeah. that I wouldn't have made you in the 15 years I've known no, you. No, we, we definitely watched it probably maybe even over 10 years ago now. But the, yeah. I don't remember anything other than a few scenes of her like in 
I don't know, the club, whatever oh, yeah, she's very... in. I remember a few scenes of that and her little hat. Her little flip-up hat. With the f- yeah. That's all I remember. She looks so cute. <laughs> she looks cute in the whole movie. Yeah. That's one thing about this era that is the looks yeah. on point. Well, I'm excited to revisit it and um, connect the album to the, as you called it, blockbuster flop. But you know I love a good kitschy movie. <laughs> oh, so. it is camp, 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 yeah. camp, camp. It is so like serious in what it's trying to be that it is hilarious i cannot wait and i hope you can't wait and that you will be back you listener yeah next week next tuesday round two glitter round two the movie coming to a (laughs) podcast station near you well until then leave us a nice rating leave us a review Maybe even call us, 857-626-4552, and tell us what your favorite part of the Glitter movie is. I'm curious, actually. You should definitely leave a voicemail. Until next week. See you next Tuesday. Bye. I love you guys. Bye.